0: still getting people to vote those motion reactions because we've designed the experience in a certain way so it really comes down to designing the experience in a way that's actually going to add value
1: welcome back to the genuine x podcast today we've got jack from vr craftworks VR Craftworks are a Brighton-based company that began as a bunch of geeks in a shed and have turned into a full-fat, immersive agency, which is constantly evolving and adding value by solving business problems. Jack was very open with us and even shared some of the ingredients that go into the VR Craftworks special source. Hope you enjoy.
2: Yes. Oh, wow, so no stop. Well, no appreciate, stop,
0: appreciate no, it, it never is. is but it's we'll good this much, this is Cool room guys, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. This is, this is, this is, this we're, is. We're about game. to get our set up. Yeah. I don't know what we're going to be talking about, but well, I've done like two podcasts before in my life. Oh really? So yeah, so this is going to be, I've learned to speak slowly. <clears> yeah. Because the first one I was talking like this constantly. Yeah, yeah. And after I was listening, I was like, oh my God. Second one's better. But um, I was trying to, it was a conversation with someone who believed that yeah. um, Ready Player One, we were literally going to live in virtual reality constantly. Yeah. It's just not going to happen. I'm sorry. Like, as humans, we crave affection from other human beings. You want to put your kids to bed. You want to see your partner. Yeah. You're not going to do it. I literally, had a full-blown argument with him. Yeah. I was like, unless there's like haptic suits that you can recreate those feelings yeah. and everything. That's never going to happen. Did you, did, you, did you have this conversation with Seb about,
2: because seven, I've been in full body mm-hmm. haptic suits. Tesla suit or Tesla suit. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's we have been actually talking to their team at the moment because we had a very interesting project that wanted to do it for a simulation. Yeah. Um. So that was pretty cool, but um, I can't remember why it didn't go through. I think it's for the fact that the they they were looking to create something that would be like in ten years it would still be valid um so i don't think it was really gonna work out that way unfortunately that's ambitious um but it was like full mixed you couldn't get any more haptics if you tried they wanted to recreate product so they i can't get into the details but they wanted to recreate what the product would be for legal reasons yeah um and user test it without actually creating anything yeah so putting the person in the environment how they'll be sort of involved with it so it'd be like 3d printers involved um haptic gloves so you can actually feel the product you just feel the weight because you can't recreate weight with haptic gloves unless you have things on it so we were going to recreate the touch and feel but 3d print the weight of that product so then you can actually feel the products and see what it is but they also wanted the full haptics like if they're like going to other places how will that look like how that feel yeah um so you know it was an interesting project but I wasn't go anywhere.
1: And can you can you just give us a bit of an intro into sort of you and where you're from, stuff mm-hmm. like that. So
0: we've got... perfect. Um, so, so I'm Jack. I'm from... Jack Magdalena from VR Craftworks. We're an immersive agency down at Brighton. Um, it all started off with me and my father interested in, you remember the blue and red lenses you get in cinemas? Yeah. So that sort of sparked our interest. And um, my dad purchased three projectors and put it in his basement. Um, And we created shutter glasses for shutter glasses or a thing for 3D TVs. And what he really enjoyed, um, don't get me wrong, was pretty cool. Uh, Really enjoyed putting me in the shutter glasses and putting me through a VR cave and things would jump out of me and basically scare the shit out of me. Um, (laughs) So my childhood was really fun. Um, But then at that point, we we got washed up on this bulletin board and we were creating uh, code chair and findings because at the moment there was no commercial headsets. Um, This was like before 2010. So um, at that time, we were literally creating... VR headsets out shoeboxes um, <laughs> with tablets in with 3D tracker pens to th- three-dimensional drawing pens oh, to track wow. our heads going. So you imagine, what well, you know, the Hololens. Yeah. So you know how it's like you, you're seeing a small screen in a small mm. space. So it was that. So you were seeing a hundred foot screen fifty yards away. So yeah. it looked like a normal little. It looked basically looked like what the Hololens was, um, and that was the, that was that was VR like we could stream certain games within there and play certain games, but that, that wasn't it. Unless you were looking to pay like quarter million pounds plus to get the full proper commercial experience that you would get for training or military. So one of the guys on there called Palmatex said, hey, look, let's whip around a cash and I'll build us all headsets. Yep. So we were like, hmm, yeah, let's do something like that. So he decided to, he met um, a guy that told him to do a Kickstarter and that Kickstarter founded the Oculus Rift. So some of the original code, some of the original findings that we did as a collector from the bulletin board went onto the Oculus Rift wow. and you know what it is today. So at that point, me and my dad looked at each other and was just like, what on earth is going on? This is blowing up. Um, so we went down the software route because we didn't anything about Massachusetts and hardware Mm. and we knew that China would dominate the market and HTC Vive's done very well for themselves Um, so we created an application called Orbulus. it got voted one of the top 10 virtuality apps with a load of different publications globally like at the time GQ Italia was writing articles about it and we were like we're literally a bunch of geeks in our basements and our our sheds at the end of the garden and a fashion publication is talking about it Um, and then Google reached out to us and was like hey look can you help us um, user test the SDK for the Google Cardboard so we were working with them with them on that uh also were a launch title for the google cardboards. and then at that point we started having more organizations going oh could you do this could you do this so we established a company in 2014 and we've been doing it ever since
1: wow that's quite a journey
0: it is and now we don't just do vr we do virtual reality augmented reality 360 degrees and mixed mm. um so it's a real breadth of different sort of technology within there and sort of expertise in each sort of field now so it's been a an interesting one. If you would ask me if I was doing this, would be doing this when I was at school, I would tell you I would be doing something completely different.
1: So is your dad your dad's like kind of the driving force behind? Oh, percent, yeah, hundred
0: percent. I've I, as much as I've tried to code before, it's not my forte. Yeah, um, that's not my cup of tea. Yeah. So I basically do everything else within the company, and um, we have a team now that does all the sort of development for for clients or organisations all around the world.
2: Oh, What's your perspective it. on the industry? Because the thing about VR is a funny one is that it's to a certain extent it's starting to become quite well known. I'm not going to say it's mainstream, but it's getting quite it's getting quite well known. but it's had it's had its had kind of ups and downs because a few years ago everyone was talking about VR as the next big thing, and there was loads and loads of VC money going into it in the states in particular, and it's it's kind of plateaued off and dropped somewhat. And I think people are people are, people's perspectives of what VR are has changed probably because they got inside an early like dk1 it prototype.
0: was it, it's always been interesting like me and my dad looked at each other when facebook bought oculus and we were like what on earth have they actually bought all they've bought is a brand like there is no patent or anything that you've bought there is no special anything like anyone else could they go out and copy what they've done like there is no extra thing yes so that's it, interesting it's, it's, it's a no it's patent a, it is literally a uh a viewmaster on steroids that's all it is yeah. it's just a couple of bit of tech that is in pretty much every single phone and people don't realize that most of the things within these headsets are in your phones yeah. like it comes from the same factory the screens come out the same factory there is not much difference so when people go to me oh what's this like being mainstream it's like it's not really mainstream at the moment mm. it's i think what's happened is um Immersive technology, especially VR has always had a place with training and simulators, especially flight simulators, and that's always been there and that's grown and it's got bigger because technology's got cheaper, hardware's got cheaper, software's got cheaper to create those bespoke experiences. Um, however, the when the Oculus Swift came along, all it did was just surge this gaming enthusiasts that wanted to create all these they wanted to be within these games they want to try it but i don't remember anyone who's gone you know what let me play this game and let me run for an hour and a half if you're playing a game you want to sit down and play a game you want to switch off so they i feel like they even fueled it and then it got into the press and then it was like the commercial people going what could we do with this what could we do and i think that's why it's really sort of took this downforce because it hasn't been anything and I think especially with how you deliver content it's really still not there at the moment it's still I think 5G will really have a big play within the immersive mediums Um, the delivery and the the latency you can literally push everything from the clouds and you can have full amazing experiences and not really worried about it so because of the bandwidth the bandwidth and the latency the zero latency like you could literally have a mixed reality experience if you wanted to And not worry about anything. You could basically create a mesh of your house, then create games within your house, and each character has their own AI that controls and moves around your house in a certain way. And you can interact and play with them, and it all works fine. And then you can have them with an AI bot on top that can have conversations with you. Like that's the type of thing that 5G will do. And that could literally be on a smartphone. It doesn't need to be in a a headset.
1: So, do you use it? So, um, Magic Leap obviously mm-hmm. is, is something really great there. And, you know, there was a little bit of time where people were looking at, you know, games that were kind of smart games, which built around your environment as you were talking about. Yep. Do you think five G and someone like Magic Leap are gonna be you know, do you think that's gonna be the thing that kind of raises the thing and will make you you your sort of standard I think it
0: opens the gateways. Yeah. I don't know if Magic Leap's gonna be the one that does it. Um I think they've done something quite interesting but I feel like the, the consensus that I had was they have been put under a lot of pressure by the VCs and the money that they raised to be like go and make a bit of money because um, it's crazy investment it's, money it's crazy and if you think about anyone else they literally haven't well, before their time they haven't actually sold anything mm. um, so it, that's pretty crazy on a, on a commercial standpoint but I think the, the what people and what I think what's really going to be happening I think Apple's playing their game and they're going to play it very well and I'm, I'm very excited to what they come out with. Um, I think they've done this on purpose. I think they're 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 waiting to see what everyone else does, see what people are going to do, and I think they're waiting for the infrastructure and everything to be in place to then really deliver something that's going to be special. Do you think classic Apple? Classic Apple it's yeah. so classic, but it, that's their game, and that's what they're good at, and that's why it's put them in there in, in in their that that um the realm of being the first company to hit a trillion. Like it's 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 amazing what they can do. Um, and I think they, they're they strategically waiting for this to happen.
2: Well, they're waiting for the business case, aren't they? Because that's, 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 that's one of the issues with VR. And, and as you say about Magic Leap, is that typically, the, the, the typical Silicon Valley approach is that you, you, build, you get the users first, you get the users, and then you get the money. So you just get you get as many users on your platform as possible. Magically, they have gone out there. They don't have the users and the technology has, got no penetration on the technology and the technology itself. When people actually experience it's considerably more limiting than all of those fantastical videos they put out when they were first there with the way I was jumping out on the school floor. Um, but I think that, that, that extends more broadly to the VR world as to what is, what is the use case? What is the, who, who should be using VR? I mean, is it, is it industry? Is it,
0: are we talking about VR or AR? Both. Or just both? Yeah. I think when it comes to AR, I think it's going to come down as more of a production, um, not a production, a um, productivity tool. Um, it's going to be down in your day-to-day life. It's going to be used as slightly entertainment. It's How I see it happening is going to be like the next revolution of the app store on people's phones. That created a billion-dollar industry that's helped people in not just entertainment, but I use, I literally on my phone, I don't have one game i've got around like 30 apps that do all kinds of other different things and i think it's done to then generate and i think apple's in a really good space because they're make, uh, what they're doing with ar kit and i think they're really going to leverage that community to really help push that forward and whatever it's going to be and then all of a sudden it's not really a chicken and egg it's there's the content there's what you need to do i think what with magic leap and the same with oculus and most other people they were all in the same boat when they started they had to create content the business cases for this vr it's done to come down for training, learning the the retention of people. You're eighty percent more likely to remember it if you remember something in person. You're ten to twenty percent likely to remember something if it's reading or writing. So, so so
2: just so just let that sink in. So what was that? So if, so VR. If you experience something in VR, your retention of that experience is eighty percent. Eighty percent. So eighty. So what is that? You're eighty percent more likely, likely to as remember an individual. It you're 80% more likely than the retention of written or writing that's 10
0: 10 to 20. yeah because the, the theory behind it at the moment is is when we were cavemen and when we were back in the day is you had to remember things in person better so you had to know where the local food sources are where the water sources are where the rival camps are and you had to remember those journeys. so you know how people do memory palaces it's all off locational things and remember it in a certain way and it's similar patterns to that so if you're likely to remember something in person as in a personal experience you're more likely to remember it at a later day rather than reason writing because we're not typically trained to remember that very effectively compared to other likes
2: so you run a business which is primarily... Is it primarily VR or is it everything at this
0: point? It's it, pretty much everything. We've just... Uh, actually, I can't say that. No. Um, <laughs> um, I can't talk about that project. Um, we uh, we do have a mix. And I think one of the things that I think a lot of people are missing out on, um, especially when it comes to marketeers, um, is third-party platforms. At the moment with AR is a huge opportunity. So if I can create an effect, an AR effect that can go on Facebook or Snapchat or instagram's in their beta we're in their beta at the moment they're going to be launch, hopefully launching near the end of the year um for branded effects you can do normal effects for like we're just doing one with so an
2: instagram is doing essentially lenses like snapchat yeah right, yeah right um
0: the reason why this is effective if a brand works cleverly to create something that's memeable shareable topical and accessible and this third-party platform is it allows people to then share that affect other people. So if it's something funny or interesting with your branding on it, it basically becomes product placement that people can share. So it's coming up with those clever ideas to be able to do it. And all of a sudden you've got to remember like Instagram has just, I think what was their recent figures? It was like 1.2 billion users or something crazy. That's a market where you can have AR that's reaching that many people. Like Snapchat has something crazy like there's 70 million people each day Opening their AR carousel and trying effects on, and they will averagely spend the um three minutes on that type so of
2: So So Snapchat still has. You said seventy million people every day trying AR effects. Trying AR effects on an average three of three minutes, minutes yeah. each time. Yeah, I so mean that's very viable, isn't it?
0: That the, the, when when you when you when you're trying to sell marketing to immersive experience to a marketeer, mm. you're mostly looking at. Can I hit my target audience and can I get the most exposure out of it? This is delivering that. These ad pl- these platforms do have very good ad spending. So you can put a great deal of targeted marketing to your target audience that their friends will be most likely gonna be interested in what you're talking about or what you're sharing. So this is what so if a brand creates an effect and that person uses that effect and put it to their story or sends it to their friends group. Then all of their friends or those selected friends get to see that effect, and they could then try the effect themselves, and then post to their other friends or their story, and they're becoming a free micro influencer, a brand ambassador. Like if I go to someone and go, I can create for you a load of different brand ambassadors from a simple effect that can cost anywhere from three thousand to fifteen thousand pounds, and it can go. And some of the effects that people are getting at the moment are going up to a million impressions, especially on Instagram at the moment. So you're saying you can return on that investment on things. Um, there's an example that Poplar did, Poplar. It's a, another studio. They did some work with Dapper Laughs. We've been working mm. with them on a couple of effects. Uh, we didn't work on this one, but they created uh, an effect for da- Dapper Laughs, you know, the guy who did um, Man's Not Hot and yeah. that kind of stuff. Um, the effect would have been roughly in that same realm of budget, and that got six million impressions on Facebook. And I think it was got just over a million uses. Mm. And for someone who wants to get a song out there, that's a very cost-effective thing. So if you're going down to what's accessible now and what's a business case, that right there is a very good business case when it comes to the marketing. For VR, I still think it's going to be going down to training, learning, and education because you can't get away from that experience. I think... The other side to that type of marketing, if you want to go over VR, it's that hyperd experience, multi-central experience that gets you to feel like a hero within a brand. That's very typical, people have done that. That's like what people were doing in 2015, 2016, where it was the nice new thing to do. And that was the nice low hanging fruit.
2: What's the What's the tech scene like in Brighton? Because we're hearing a lot about this. There seems to be this sort of decentralizing of- um, Well, we're the third biggest immersive
0: city in, in the UK. So it goes London, Manchester and Brighton. Um, the
2: biggest. So for immersive t- companies in the immersive tech, what do you <laughs> think that is?
0: Um, I think it's a, a, a crossbreed because uh, Brighton's been very game orientative and it's very creative. And for someone who's who knows how to code and who has that cultural creative surroundings, it was like a natural progression for them to go in. If you go to Manchester, they're very media driven it that makes completely sense and london's always got the money it's always going to have the clients are interested that's always going to be the next thing so it feels like the top three makes complete sense why they've done it
2: and the talent pool because obviously it's a nice place to live you could you know it's a nice it's it's not hard to persuade people to move there if there's a nice job going for them but where does talent come from
0: it's a crossbreed really um for example with with like past projects we might need to actually bring in some other people that we've worked with back on the bulletin board back 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 when so it does drop and change um putting in talent the local talent is actually very good we've got shout out to nick um nick's very is one of our developers he's you know when you meet someone and you're like wow okay like you know what you're talking about you know how to he's come up with some very clever new technology um that can really push the boundaries out um that's really interesting where we can develop the clients i can't say what it is and what we're doing sure. Um, but it's really interesting. Is there, um, mu- is there
2: much different, a, a, again, there's a sort of like a, a general view of, is there much differentiation in the in the VR world? Because it seems to me that there's a lot of, a lot of companies going very production orientated, because you need people who know how to manage a 360 camera or produce content for, for, for VR. But is there much in the way of differentiation between companies from a technology point of view?
0: I think it's more the actually understanding of what they're doing. And what I mean by that, there is not, no industry standard, and I'll, I'll give a little bit of the secret sauce. So for example, people don't understand you're recreating reality. So you need to understand how we take in reality as a human being. And there's psychological biases, there's anchoring, there's all kinds of different things that you can implement into your experience so you can make sure you evoke an emotional reaction. If you don't believe me, what do you think Darren, Darren Brown does? He's anchoring information within with you without you even realizing in your psychological biases and other things, to then evoke an emotion. So if you create an experience, you need to leverage that to make sure that you create it in such a way. So when somebody goes, oh, let's just create and then see if somebody has, an, has that type of reaction. All right, they do, perfect, then it works. Well, no, you don't actually understand why it works. You need to actually encode information within there to analyse. So I'll give you an example. Um, so we've just created one of the first in the world six degrees of freedom software for all, a smartphone. So it uses the camera on a smartphone like you do inside-out tracking to then have a full high-end VR experience through a mobile application. So a lot of process and power is dealing with tracking. So whatever you're creating within the experience, it needs to be very simple and it doesn't take up anything. So whatever's in there needs to be in there because it's essential. So everyone knows uh, uh, Rich Richie's Walk the Plank experience. It's a great way to get clients to experience it, get an emotional reaction very quickly. So we recreated that It's a bit of a laugh. Um, but one of the things that we did did it we wanted to see if we can actually prime people up more quickly than you would do because the reason why richie's Plank's experience works is because you're in a lift you press that button you press that button on a lift so many times you hear the lift music a million times can't recreate g-forces what they've done is they slightly opened the, the lift doors so you can see that you're going up all these little things imply to your brain that you're actually in an innovator that's going higher up if you give the graphics to anyone it's if you show a triple a gamer um a developer mm. sorry the graphics on that experience is shoddy it's awful but all those things anchor the person being in there. That's what creates it. So the the six off experience that I was just mentioning, we implement as soon as you go in, you hear bird sounds. You associate it being, bird sounds being high. There is birds flying around the experience. So you associate it being that high. Hence why we have such an emotional reaction. Like the, we, we literally gave it to random people to experience and they were screaming in a, a 20 pounds <laughs> headset with a, a Pixel One generation. So it wasn't anything special. Um, and you could still see like you could if you move your hands around in like a clockware shape you could still see your hands like it's not a full mask like completely cut out and how you're going to evoke that emotion out of people and that's the difference at the moment with people just creating something and it turns out to be a gimmick because somebody will come out and go what on earth did i just experience in there so they're not actually having a proper narrative or getting something to evoke somebody an emotional reaction out of
2: so yeah so what you've what you've described there is really interesting because it's like anything it's any sort of experience design or any sort of film design which is that you take it beyond the technical the technician aspects of i can set up a camera or i can i can use a piece of software in a way as a technician and you've gone well it's much more it's above and beyond that it's the experience design it's understanding those cues and storytelling in sound and visuals which are going to trigger certain responses
0: 100% this is going to be industry standard eventually Uh, it's the same with TV and film if you think how long they've took to get here it's like you know when there's a close up on the gun for the hero where there's no mag in it and he's completely bluffing the baddie and and so he can get away Like that shared language has been ingrained with us every single day and it's that type of thing that's industry standard when somebody's producing that type of content to be able to do in a couple of years, this will be industry standard for creating immersive virtual reality experiences.
1: Yeah, because it's something we touched on. We've touched on in this podcast before, actually, is that the rules for this language are being written now. You know, with film, as you say, we've got a long line of, abilities and triggers that we can automatically recognize so we know when things mm. are happening right and um it must be really exciting just to be on the edge of that and be working i imagine there's a lot of human behavioral understanding yes yes uh, we
0: literally spent with Orbitus, our first application we spent six months just analyzing what people did in the experience so what we found out very quickly is people look at around about 45 degrees upwards and down, so kind of like similar things that you find in your shelf in a supermarket, as well as they don't really turn around, they normally stay looking at what they feel comfortable with forward. Um, But what we did was within Orbulus, it's basically a load of orbs all around you in 360, and you look at an orb and an orb will come towards you, um, and you get teleported to that location. There's all kinds of locations like the typical low-hanging fruit, the Grand Canyon, the Great Wall of China, the Northern Lights, um, and what we did was we analysed what orbs weren't getting viewed. And it typically be the ones behind you in the bottom right, bottom left, top right, top left corners. So what we did was we flipped them all over. So all the ones that were being seen constantly, we, we put them at behind the person, all the, the blind spots, basically. I put all the blind spots in the front, updated the application. And we'll literally get reviews like, oh, my God, loving the, the, the new update that you guys have done. And we haven't done anything. We literally, all we've done is flip this stuff around. And it's just those type of things of learnings of working at how people experience it. We also spent a lot of time on how to build UX within a virtual environment because there is no real standard. Open university still uses Orbulus as uh, how to train how to teach UX within VR. Um, and it's very simple. It's how to give someone information, good feedback information that they're doing the right thing or they're making the right decisions or the decision they think they're making that allows them to be able to do it sometimes people don't even realize it's happening so for example the orb will start spinning it will start glowing and then it will speed up and there's a set this multiple sound effects that anchor it and then you move around and there's more of them very simple people don't really pick up on it but it's those psychological biases as well that helps people to have that good feedback when they won't even realize that they're getting feedback
1: because the amount of times we used to um, you know we used to create little vr experiences or you show someone vr for the first time especially and you sit them in it and they just sit there looking forwards And you're like, turn around, turn around. And then you're like, no, well, that's actually my fault, you know, because we haven't haven't implanted the sort of the sound effect behind their head or something to make It's
0: interesting. It's an interesting debate at the moment is, does sound really direct people? Yes and no, in some cases. If someone's in a scary environment and then they hear a big sound, they will naturally look around because that's our natural instincts. If someone's having a conversation behind you, if you're not engaged with what's happening... That person's not going to look around. They're going to be focusing on whatever's interesting them over there. Um, It can work and it can be deployed effectively. But I think people are still thinking of this as too much of past mediums. And they need to let go of those shared languages and they need to release themselves for it. A, explore what could be the new language within this medium. That will really help speed up the industry standards and stuff that's not really been put out because there's a lot of shoddy experiences and not out of anything else it's because it's it's, in, it's new if you look at the very first r- radio um for, sorry the very first tv shows it was like this as a podcast of us talking to mics with a tv and uh, a camera in a corner filming us <laughs> like that was tv shows when it started there wasn't anything I and mean, that evolved and changed now you've got love island and next factor and blah, blah 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 but the first ones was this just walk back a camera in the corner and do our normal radio show and because that was the shared language that's what's understood and that's got an evolve and evolve and evolve to what it is today so it can own go up and those show languages can get better um it's just people need to explore more and i think people need to release but then again it's the chicken and egg do you have the investment do you have the time to be able to do it to be able to do it because everyone needs to make bread and butter
2: also what's interesting there as well because you're talking about at the moment and i see this as well about we go how do we direct the people in the experience and there are shortcuts at the moment you you see the parallels with like immersive theater and and video game design which use primal techniques of Mm -hmm. light and sound if you go and do a punch drunk thing for example you can be off noodling around in the corner in some little thing but if a big something big is happening it will be distant sound and light Mm -hmm. but the trick there is or the mistake is that we shouldn't be directing the individual they need to have complete yep. free agency so mm-hmm. forget about saying how do we get people who have we've given them all this freedom and now we want to funnel them again and go well how do we rewrite narratives yeah and that's the real trick 100 percent. and i don't think very few people know how to do that because we've just not had the time to figure it out
0: 100 100 and like i couldn't agree with you more that you said it in such a poetic way than I probably could ever Thank do you. it. So, um, top, top your heads up with that because it, it's true it, and it's it's unfortunately where it is at the moment um, but that's what excites me. That's what excites me about the future what's possible with the likes of 5G with the likes of people actually exploring this realm and this medium even more what's possible and I think that's what's really going to be adding value for people if it's for marketing for business for learning for all the other different low hanging fruits at the moment. Um, I think that's really going to be interesting.
1: So, also, in terms of what's your team like? Can can you share anything of that? Of
0: like what it looks like to build a project? Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. Um, the the, the oh, we're, we're, we've uh, if anyone knows us, they know that we go on about hot wings. We love hot wings. We've got the best hot wings in the UK, two thousand and sixteen, right next to our office. Shout out the Joker, Lost Boys Chicken. Um, <laughs> they, no, seriously. Like if you if it's guys no ever <laughs> if you guys ever come come down, you got to try out the hot wings. It's like our thing. Like even even it was quite funny. It was at a um, uh, AR meetup uh, last week, and we, we worked very closely with Zappa um, and uh, James. I haven't actually met him yet, and we we've never met in person. I've only met the other guys in the team, and he was actually at the same AR meetup. Like, yeah and uh he was talking to one of the guys that i know and he goes oh you guys know vr graphics they're doing the panel next week and we're like any and then james like, oh yeah, yeah yeah." he keeps banging on about me about these hot wings um it, so we are kind of known about these hot wings now so i don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing but the team dynamic is very good like obviously it's a father and son relationship like there is fiery moments but however it's all for the good cause of things um especially when we both have sort of italian heritage it's always going to be fiery. Um, but other than that, it's it's typical, it's, it's Like, um, we, we get along very well. Um, it, it's interesting sometimes when we're in meetings, someone will say something and you look at them like, you're a genius. And at the same time, there's other times where they come up with something you're just like, why are we even friends? <laughs> um, so it's, it's an interesting time because it, you need that both sides of the coin because it's we're still exploring some cases and that's what's interesting. So, you need to have that freedom, and you need to let people have that rope to explore more. Because this, we're most of the stuff that we we try and work on it is bleeding edge. If it's new technology or new solutions for pain points for clients, um, we need to have that ability to to fail fast and fail quickly, but make sure that at the same time we're we're still doing something that's an add value to a client.
1: Because that's one of the issues I think with being on the bleeding edge. Like when you're there, you have amazing inquiries. Right, you have people inquiring from you know, dream clients and stuff. And it's quite yeah, it's quite, no, it, it's quite it, difficult,
0: right? It, it, it's good. But at the same time, like, you're always, like, if you, we have this thing that we always say, like, every six months, we're going to be doing something that we didn't believe that we could do the six months before. And it's a constant thing. And it, you need to have, you need to be in the game constantly to be able to have that. So, for example, like, six months ago, we wouldn't, we didn't know that we could do hand tracking in web. We didn't know that we could do, um, I can't say that. Um, (laughs) I can't do certain other things. Like, for example, we've got a 5G testbed that we're trying out, and we've played uh, as low-hanging fruit to see what we could do with 5G. Uh, We've managed to stream um, uh, Skyrim, uh, Beat Saber, and everything to an Oculus Go within the office. The next level up we're going to be doing is we're going to try and do that to mobile. Then we're going to, you know, ManoMotion, we're going to put ManoMotion's SDK because it's nice and easy. Whack that in there and see if we can do no, just do it off hand tracking. So you don't actually need the controllers or anything. And we're going to carry on scaling it, up, scaling it up and see how far we can go with it. So we can then go, look, we can have a full experience in the cloud for a client and then stream the content to someone's smartphone or someone's device that's been given to them or at the show. Um, and see how far we can do it. Can we put like an AI bot on top? Can we put a virtual sales assistant on top? Can we put some deep learning in there to actually be able to capture some certain information to how somebody's interacting to then help push that sale or push the interaction with the client to make it more brand awareness so it's more tailored and personal to them? Could we do some more interesting things? Could, is there any way we can data collect information before they even get to the experience, work out they like dogs, and give them a VR experience that's just a full of puppies? Like, how can we bring that more and more, and how can we explore that more, and bringing in other types of technology as well? We, we're doing a lot of interesting stuff with AI at the moment, with even translation. Um, so immersive translation, so if you're on a conference call with someone in VR, um, could we then give you side t- subtitles of that person? So they'll be speaking in their natural language, their native tongue, it'll go up to the cloud, it gets translated, gives to the other user in subtitles and vice versa.
2: So who's a typical client for you? And and, and the reason I ask is is that going back, sort of having worked in the industry personally for kind of 20 years, there's a funny thing about agencies frequently want to be doing what's new and what's cool but weirdly a lot of big brands don't want that no. certainly not for big campaigns they want they want stuff that's reliable methods. yeah that's proven and that works mm-hmm. and that the only way that is really you can really kind of get any get any traction with this kind of stuff is to kind of get into like innovation budgets which are usually really low and like certain clients can only can can do whatever they want under a certain threshold which means you're running a business that's reliant on Mm -hmm. the low budget projects
0: so yes and no so yes um i was actually somebody was telling me about this book and it's about innovation budgets and why big corporates eventually fail and it's because they go oh we'll just put a 10k innovation budget down and it's a really disruptive thing for them because they can't when they actually stumble across something that's actually true they don't have the back and they don't have the confidence within the corporate because they're already doing what they're doing they're already effective at it and they're already making a lot of money out of it um, so that's an interesting point exactly what you make but for, for us it's it's a, a mixture like for example we're working on some very nice interesting big projects with clients that will be our first of um, but it's because they've. it's a specific pain point for them. It's not, let's do something that's fluffy and big, sort of like a, an installation piece. It's, there's actually a business case out of it. And that's what we try and do. Like the first thing you see on our website is we wanna try and add value to your stakeholder. It's
2: really important because there's so much of, and we see this all the time, there's so much of technology which is, let's do a new shiny gimmick as opposed to Let's identify a business problem and how technology can solve that.
0: 100%. What we're doing a lot at the moment is not just consultancy. what they could potentially do now, it's what they could potentially do in the future and work out what technologies could be helped to then run. So one of the big things for retail at the moment, and we're working with quite a few different retail clients, is how does the in-store and out-of-store experience work? And what happens there is that line gets very blurred and if not, doesn't exist. So looking for AI immersive holograms, if you will, Um, how can they actually serve the customer through customer service, Helping them understand sales? Um, Could they try on products? Could they put the products in their home? Could they actually have their virtual sales assistant at their home that understands what type of products they've bought in the past to then help go, oh, did you know that your HomeKit connects to your, your Spotify playlist and you can play them through this and your connected TV somehow knows that you like certain music i don't know but how these connective home products work with one another and how you can actually influence and help that kind of thing i think especially with retail as well if you can have a virtual sales assistant or a personal shopper to be able to help pick you clothes and shop clothes with you um try on those clothes if you're in home or actually in store how do you actually recreate that store in a new engaging way because a lot of what i'm starting to see at the moment is not people go to places not because they want to go to the place, it's because they want to take a picture and put it to Instagram. They're more experiential type of experiences. So could you change the store to be more of a representation of what your beliefs are and your brands are? Kind of what like Apple did. Like I went to the app store younger to play with their kit and I knew how to play with their Macs, their iPhones before I even owned one of them. So me putting in an investment down of a thousand pounds or whatever it was, was a no brainer because I knew exactly how it worked I can play with it, it was user-friendly and it it. Could they recreates their stores in a certain way to be a bit more of a destinational point for them? Could it be, if, the, if you're targeting more of the student demographic or whoever it is, could you actually help them as a new educational part? Could it be like a hot desk in place where they can get teas and coffees and then experience it and then all of a sudden, oh, let me go buy this as well? Or could they reinvent like what um, Stone uh, Waterstone did? like They've had shops and everything. You could read books and buy books. It just happened to be a, more of a destination. They've been doing really well. So could you reinvent those type of things? So back to the question... We do a lot of B2B as well. Um, and when the typical things like we want to get a really informative part for our B2B clients, but at the same time, it needs to be fun and gamification. We get a lot of those briefs, and it's pulling in both directions. Anywhere to those more bigger, interesting ones. Um, That's more cloud thinking.
1: Because it feels like you're so, (laughs) people are coming to you and saying like, this is kind of a problem and you're like, yeah, but we've solved the next one. Uh, Check this out. In a certain
0: way, yes. But the other thing is there's a certain way to be thinking about this. And what people mess up on so much is you need to be thinking, what value do I want out of this experience? Who is my target audience? Where is that target audience? And then how do I deliver that content to them? That will basically give you the framework to be creative within. Because, for example, a client will come to us like, oh, I've got this amazing idea. We're going to put these VR headsets on everyone in this room and we'll have 25 people walking around in this room. Okay, we could create you an amazing VR experience and it will look good on paper. However, people will bump into other people. It's not the best experience. What could be better is why don't you get a load of tablets, have an AR experience, represent that content in a slightly different way, but have people be able to interact with one another within multiplayer AR. Could you do it in a certain way to be able to help maybe a sales assistant or someone within there to be interacting with them? So I think it needs to be come down in a different route. And a lot of our work is that's how you should be approaching an immersive experience first before getting into the immersive idea, because then we can actually help create what that content is and what the the limitations to certain delivery methods.
1: Thank you very much. No worries. Yeah, we're gonna have to leave it there. Yeah, That's we're gonna a have to rubbish. leave it there. But man, that was, a, that was a great download. Thank you so much. No yeah, worries. this podcast is
0: sponsored by Hot Wings. What are they called? Lost Boys Chicken. Lost Boys Chicken. <laughs> well, this podcast is brought to you
1: by Lost Boys Chicken. I'm doing a wings night. Best time yes. this week. I'd like to thank Jack from VR Craftworks for coming in. To be honest, I could have sat and talked with him all afternoon. If you have any questions or thoughts, please do get in contact with us at genuinexpodcast at jackmorton.co.uk. I hope you've enjoyed the podcast and don't forget to like and subscribe. Till next time, thank you.